0: Yeah, but That's like,
1: the great thing, too, about podcasts. You just need this.
2: But I should be able to run this music over. But if you've known me long enough to know that technologically, no. I would never be able to figure out how to put this music... I
1: anything less. I almost thought there would be a live band because you didn't even know how to do that. <laughs> like, play it from your phone to the mic. Like I thought maybe...
2: How funny would that be <laughs> just, if I had just hired a live band every time?
1: Just because you couldn't figure out how to transfer oh it over. Okay.
2: Um, Greg Garcia is here, everybody. Uh, I mean, the first repeat guest on Fairly Normal.
1: This is exciting. I for, mean, it, for me, at least. I don't know if it's exciting for anybody else. But. It
2: really is. I mean, people are right now on the edge of their seat. Going nuts. Oh, my God. <laughs> He's back. Thank, will
1: he possibly tell the same exact stories? We can only hope.
2: Do you know what's funny is when I go on podcasts, a lot of the stories that people want to hear are Joe Diaz stories,
1: right? Yeah. Well, why not? I mean, if they're you rich. can hear a Joe Diaz story, they're why?
2: Ri- they're so good. Yeah. But like sometimes I'm like, which ones have I told? I feel like the go-to Joe Diaz story is about my daughter- when he used to babysit her, you know, he doesn't wear underwear. Yeah. And he, sh- when he used to bend over, she would rip <laughs> ass hair out of his crap.
1: I remember you telling me this, yeah.
2: That one, always good.
1: The TV um, wasn't working, Josh Wolf. Yeah. I, had to, I, had to, I had to improvise. <laughs> I had to improvise.
2: Yeah. But my favorite was uh, when he would mess up the words. Like, instead of improvise, he'd be like, I got I to gotta improvise. I'm like, mm, <laughs> not, not really. <laughs> or when he, he would always spell the wrong words around the kids. Yeah. Like, if I wanted to know where the C-A-N-D-Y was. Oh, I I got you, yeah. He would always spell the wrong words. He was like, the candy is in the D-R-A-W. I'm (laughs) like, well, first of all, (laughs) you've spelled the word wrong (laughs) entirely, and you've said the word out loud that I don't want you to say, which is candy.
1: When we shot My Name Is Real with Joey Diaz, it was in a prison out in the desert, and I'm telling you, and it was like a working prison, so like... There were guards and people around and what have you. And I got to tell you, I felt safer once Joey got there, <laughs> once his call time was there. Yeah. I stayed close to him.
2: Because you were probably like, I'm with him. He's my buddy. Exactly. If you guys don't like me, don't worry. I'm standing next to this guy.
1: We had him hit somebody in the head with a brick, and I don't even know if that was even scripted, or I just said, listen, give Joey a brick <laughs> in case he needs
2: it. Dude, do you know when, okay, long time ago, when I was doing those one-man show type things, yeah. right? This might have been right about when I met you. Was this
1: water for me or is yes? It just that, here? One, that one's for that one's for you. I don't it's know if it's, it's been, been there
2: overnight. <laughs> I was actually trying to grow something, but we'll
1: see what happens. All right, fantastic.
2: my we shot a video with him. Beth did in the video. Basically, she was like, "Talk to us about Josh, and you know what he does." because it was a one man show about being way back when about being single dad, and this was the clip we used from Joey. Josh Wolf. I mean, he raised three kids by himself. You know, I couldn't do that. I mean, I could break into your house with a gun. That was the whole, that was the only soundbite. But I was like, that's perfect. He was like, I could rob you, but that's about all. I couldn't raise three kids. And I was like, it's like one or the other. But they're so far away from being the same. That's what makes it so funny. Like, There's no, that's not like, there's no, I don't know why one equates to the other. You
1: have to be inside his brain, I think, to know that, right? Well,
2: you just spent a couple hours with him.
1: It was a blast. I was a little intimidated. Because, how come? Well, you've you've seen his podcast. You see mm-hmm. how he prepares for his podcast. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's it's insane, and it's it. God, I had a blast. It was so much fun.
2: How much weed? Because when he when I did his podcast a couple weeks ago, he ate twenty four hundred milligrams of weed and took like six bong rips.
1: Yeah, he eats those black stars. Yeah, stars of death. Yeah. It's insane. I yeah. told you the worst joke in the world. I said, uh, I said he puts more black stars in his mouth than a Kardashian. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but you know what? <laughs> I'm not proud of that joke. Yeah. Why not? Um, but, uh, yeah, he, he goes, n- I mean, he could survive a nuclear blast, I think. It's insane.
2: I've always said, like, he's one of those guys that is just going to outlive all of us. He's the guy that we thought was going to die 20 years ago. He's also, like, you met him probably 10 or 15 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, something like Probably that. like yeah, ten years ago. I told him, I go, you finally look your age. I mean, you've people always ask me how old is Joe Diaz. I'm like, he could be 35, he could be 80. I have no like it's, but right now he's like like 53, but he's always looked. I like this when I age. see
1: pictures of him where he just looks so distinguished. I mean, they're, they're just like, I forget exactly where I saw it. Maybe it's on this podcast uh, photo or whatever, but he just looks so distinguished, you know. Squinting a little bit. Yeah. 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 Looking
2: off it like he's thinking about shit. Yeah. He used to perform in a three piece suit.
1: That's fantastic.
2: When I first met him, he did was. Did
1: someone tell him to, or did he just felt like that was the, the gig?
2: I don't know. When I first met him, suit, he would pace. So he scared the shit out of people. Because you know how Chris Rock paces? Yeah. Like that's very distinct. Yeah. He almost paces like he's prowling. Okay. Like, he, like to me, he paces like he's hunting. <laughs> Chris Rock does. Yeah. Like I'm like, oh, this dude is about to.
1: Yeah. Attack. He's about to pounce.
2: Yeah. And Joey had that menacing, and he would squeeze his fists. Yeah. And pace, and he was 220, and he used to just pace back, and people. He but used well, to was he, he all me.
1: wired, or I mean?
2: Well, sure. I mean, there was a little cocaine. I don't want to
1: disparage the man. I don't want to. I don't want to put anything he, out there. But he would be the first one to tell you yes, there was probably one or yeah. two bags I've, of cocaine. I've, I've heard.
2: Yeah, I don't know if that was it. It was just how he did it. But two twenty in the suit, and he was not funny back then, Greg, because. Um, you're familiar with Brody too, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So me and Brody and Joey all started at the same time. Okay. And Brody and Joey fell under the same uh, umbrella, which was they were way funnier offstage than they were on stage.
1: Yeah, I can see that with both of them. Bo- I mean, just because they're hard to harness.
2: And as a young comic, you're scared to be yourself you're scared on stage.
1: You want to be structured. You want to be like, these are my jokes, whatever. You, right. You're, you're scared to just go up there and just be yourself and see what happens.
2: Neither, the, neither of them were funny. Until something went wrong on stage. Yeah. And then, like, any time they were on stage for open mic, Brody would go on stage, he would do three or four jokes that shit the bed, (laughs) and then Brody came out. Yeah. And it was just the best thing you've ever seen.
1: Especially for fellow comics, I'm guessing, too. Just to see that break and see the guy you know on stage go nuts, you guys must just be dying. It
2: was so good. And then Joey the same way. Joey would do these structured jokes, and until he got mad, when he gets mad on stage, when he does 15 minutes at the, at the comedy store, yeah. it's fire. Like, 15 minutes of Joey on fire is like, the, have you seen his stand-up? Have you gone and seen it?
1: I haven't seen it live, no.
2: It's, I can't explain it. He gets a different level of laughter. Yeah. Like, you know, I watched Burr, so we were in Boston, we did that roast of David Letterman. Yeah, Ortiz's. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I read about it. It's very funny jokes. It, it sounded hilarious. I oh, you know what?
2: I almost called you and said, "Hey, if you want to write a couple." Because I know like sometimes uh Call me
1: next time. Those are fun. I've written a couple like Cornheiser uh, did a roast of uh James Corv... Corville? That's his name? Mm-hmm, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he did a roast and he said, uh, you know, send me some jokes and I sent him some jokes and he goes, these are, these are way too filthy. I'm not going to say them. <laughs> he goes, I, I have to go back to ESPN. And then I sent him to... Uh, I sent him to Jeff Ross and he said he was going to use a couple of them. But those are always fun, man. Those are fun to write for.
2: Gronk opened with a joke about shitting on Beth's chest. <laughs> And I said, I go, hey, man. I go, that's not so much of a joke as like a call to action. Yeah. Like, Do you know what I mean? Like there wasn't a whole, he opened because I made fun of him a couple times. The, the, it'll never air. One of my favorite jokes. Who I, shot it? Did they shoot it for something? Nessin. Okay. But before the show, they asked me, hey, how much of this do you think we'll be able to air? I go, none of it. Yeah. And they were like, haha. I go, no, no, no. I know you bought a show that you'll never be able to air. And they were laughing. I'm like, Okay. And then after the show, they were like, we can't air a minute of this. I, I know, I know. they
1: got to sell it to somebody. They,
2: but they, it, 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 it's going to be tough. We're going to try. Yeah. Two jokes I loved that I told about Gronk. That he, and he, when, I, when he started, he, that's why he was mad. The one was, you know, I, I pumped everybody up first. I was like, Gronk, great football player. You've seen this dude. He carries defenders down the field. Nobody in the short amount of time. Has captured Boston's heart Like Rob Gronkowski The dude has scored A ton of touchdowns He also looks like He's got a touch of the downs Right? <laughs> so I open with Touch of the downs joke Yeah Which I Touch of the downs Just that Makes me giggle
1: That, that phrase The wording touch It's of lovely the, Right? It's a, it's, it's a lovely it's, it's an appetizer It's a, it's a yeah. lovely appetizer I love it
2: Because it, it You just imagine Somebody just going You get a little <laughs> <laughs> just a touch, yeah. just a touch. <laughs> the other joke I told about him, which he did not like, I was talking about Poppy, and I said because Poppy's a huge fan of um uh, birds, okay, and, and like uh, birds that hunt, birds of prey, okay. So and I said David Ortiz, or the guys I don't know, is a big fan of, of birds of prey. Um, uh, actually, the the reason why is because the Dominican is so poor. A bird was Poppy's first cell phone. <laughs> People giggle a little bit. Yeah. And I go, somebody tell Gronk that's a joke before he tries to take a dick pic with a pigeon. (laughs) Right? So. so, (laughs) All good stuff. Good stuff. Gronk opens. Yeah. He gets on stage. Josh Wolf up here talking all this shit. Hey, I saw your wife backstage. I'm like, oh yeah? And he goes, yeah. He goes, you know what a Cleveland steamer is? I go, yeah. And he goes, let me tell you. I go, no, I know what it is. I know what it is. And he goes, Cleveland steamer is when you take a shit on somebody's chest and then you it in between their tits that's what i did to your wife i'm like not a joke <laughs> no it's not yeah, I was like, it's just assault yeah. it's a verbal assault yeah i was like it's just not me. a lot
1: of twist in that one no. it's got gronk it's got to take a left turn or Something. like bend or twist or
2: you yeah just, you just went straight to this is what i did yeah which isn't like a joke now he had some other jokes he's the one but who his got comedy
1: is like his football he just puts his
2: head down and barrels right straight through it right ahead. <laughs> yeah I will. Uh, uh, Did he have people writing for him? He wouldn't. He didn't take any of the jokes we wrote for him. Okay. So he smart. <laughs> 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 mm-hmm. He he. Did
1: have Belichick write a couple? He, of <laughs>
2: he he went with his buddies. His buddies wrote him jokes. Okay. And some of the jokes were actually were actually pretty yep. good. And I, here's the thing. He's the one who got in trouble for his jokes. All of us said way worse jokes. Well, so, yeah,
1: because he's yeah he's gonna get more in trouble. Clicks. He's gonna get the
2: clicks. Yeah. yeah. Sarah Tiana told a joke about Jose Fernandez. You know, that's the twenty-year-old, twenty-two-year-old Miami. Oh Jesus! Picture what did
1: she do? She's hilarious, she's by the way. So funny. I saw her. I saw some ad for some Brad Paisley thing. Yeah, yeah for on. Netflix. For Netflix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. She's funny.
2: she's super funny. She and I just shot. Um a sizzle for a sports comedy show. It's like uh best week ever. We called it sports week ever. Okay. She's super funny.
1: Yeah, she's great. I enjoyed her. Like uh they did a thing at the I think it was a comedy store. Maybe it wasn't. Uh election night, it was a bunch of people. Yeah. Bill Burr and uh Stanhope, I mm-hmm. think, was there. And she came on and started debating with Bill Burr and held her own with Bill Burr, which is hard to do because he'll He'll, you know, he'll go after you.
2: And his people are firmly behind Bill Burr. Oh, yeah. So
1: it's tough with a crowd like that, yeah, for her to come in. But she, I thought she did a great job.
2: She's, she's really funny. You know, she told one of my favorite roast jokes ever, and she told it off the top of her head at a club. She and I were at Zaney's in Nashville. And Ralphie May was there. And he was at the bar, and he was having a couple cocktails he was talking about Saratiana. tiana hey Saratiana, tiana hey hey what you doing girl and she was like calm down ralphie may she, i'm calm down you tell me to calm down and he was saying what all the shit and she said uh, ralphie may everybody is uh let me take a look at ralphie may he's actually been taking a bunch of yoga classes so he can finally kiss his feet goodbye <laughs> and i was like oh boy <laughs> what a tough diabetes joke. That is. <laughs> yeah. I was like, cause it was a thinker. It took a couple of minutes yeah, yeah, to yeah, go, yeah, yeah. It's like, what?
1: Is- oh, oh okay. diabetes. Oh, God, oh, oh. I thought first, cause my brain first went to, Oh, he's not going to see his feet anymore, but Oh no, they're going to be gone. They're going to be cut off. They're going to chop them off. Later, Later is, that uh, night.
2: Ra- we're out. Oh, I hate to tell this story about Ralphie, but I'm gonna. All right, please. We're out. And, um, we've all had a couple cocktails. Maybe eating a couple edibles. Okay. And we're flying pretty high. Ralph, he's on a stool at a bar called, I think. One stool? One stool. That was too easy. stupid. Well, that's part of the story. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, On the bar. It's sitting there, and we're all a little fucked up. He's got this 20, 21-year-old girl on his lap. Maybe I shouldn't tell the story because I think he's in the middle of a divorce. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah forget it Well you know what though Never happened This is, this is not a bad story Because he didn't go home with a girl Okay She's just talking to a girl Alright There's nothing against that is there
1: No I don't think so Okay
2: So Had a couple cocktails Maybe eating an edible And uh, Hey Josh Whoa Hey what's up Ralphie We're talking 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 I turn my back to him Talking to Sarah Tiana She's there too And I just feel this rumble Oh no And I turn around And Ralphie is falling off the stool and I'm like, Ralphie May, man. And he goes, hey, uh, Joshua, help me up. <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean help you up? And as soon as I hear him say help you up, I noticed two little feet sticking out from under him like the, in The Wizard of Oz. Oh, no. And I was like, oh, we got to get Ralphie up, everybody. <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> we got to
2: get Ralphie. This is like real. He was like, help me up, help me up. And he, and he was like, Joshua, lift me up. Hey, you go to the gym. I'm like, yeah, but not to lift 600 pounds. I, I'm on the <laughs> treadmill, dude. You know what I mean? So, but... The little legs are starting to. Oh. She clearly wants they're out. They're slowing down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we kind of do it because it's not like you're picking up.
1: Uh, it's like moving a futon. That's
2: what, but but like a more like a water bed. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because it's not like a there's not as firm as a futon. Yeah. So we just need to lift a little bit up, rock him up, and get her out. We got her out from under. And I, you know, I asked the question that I'm sure you would want to know. What was it like under there? Yeah. She said soft and warm. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, and I was like, it that's, a, it's a, it's a that's happy actually, ending. That's a great endorsement. That's another
1: dude who's hilarious. Super happy funny. Mary. Yeah.
2: What is it, though? You told me earlier that you respect comics. What? I think
1: comics, uh, it, it, this is 100% honest, I really feel comics are the top of the interst- entertainment business. Like, if I have to rank people of just like, what their jobs are like, how hard they are, the most respect I have for people. I would put, for me, I always put writers second because to come up with something out of thin air Mm -hmm. off a blank page, it's very hard. It's hard. And then I put everybody else tied for third because I don't care if you're a director or set designer or whatever, everything's important. It's all crucial, actor, everything. But you get instructions. Like you get, now sometimes the instructions aren't very good. Right. But you get instructions, you know. And, but a writer, they do have that problem of just having to come up with stuff out of thin air. A comic not only has to come up with stuff out of thin air and write their own material, but unlike a writer, they have to go perform it. Like a writer, like I can write something but at the end of the day, somebody else has to go out there and perform it. And if it fails, they're the one out there failing with it, you know, right. and that's just the way it is. And and, and it's, it's tough on them if, it's, if it fails. But a comedian to have to write your own stuff and then get up there and perform it. And it's just you. And there's nowhere to hide. It seems terrifying. Uh, and when it works, it's just glorious. And I just have the most respect out of anybody for comedians. And I always have.
2: I had an experience last night. I had two sets last night, and one of them was just in a tiny little place out here in the valley called the Haha ha Cafe, which is a place I like to go, especially if I'm trying new material. And um, two things happened last night, which to me epitomized stand up. The guy who went on before me telling this story, and I could tell where he thought he was going to get his laughs mm-hmm. just by the way he delivered it. Yeah. And kind of look on his face afterwards. And then he gave a throwaway line that got a huge laugh. I'm sorry, this wasn't at the Ha Ha Ha. This was at the Comedy Store. Mm-hmm. And this was Tom Rhodes. Okay. The Ha Ha, something else happened. Tom was telling the story. You know Tom Rhodes? Yeah. Dude, Tom Rhodes is forgotten more material
0: yeah. than I've Hilarious. ever told. Uh,
2: he, for a guy to have pumped out that amount of material and still be pumping out gems is mind-blowing to me. But he, tell, he was telling the story, and there were a couple jokes that you could tell. He was like, oh, I thought I was going to. And then he told this other joke, and it got a huge laugh. And he goes, I'm not going to lie to you. That's like the stupidest joke I've ever written. <laughs> he was like, I really didn't think that was going to get a laugh. And, and you could, by his face, you could tell. like No matter how long you've been in the game. He still was surprised. You don't know. Yeah. You don't know. You don't know.
1: Well, I even like, I mean, I got into this business. I think ultimately it all started because of stand-up comedy. Who was it? Well, I was in the fifth grade and I had a substitute teacher. And usually my teachers would tell me just to shut up um, and be quiet because I talked a lot. I was the kid that wanted (laughs) attention. I wanted to make people laugh. They always put me back by the water fountain because within, like, two weeks, they'd realize I can't sit with the rest of the class. So I would be back by the water fountain, and then kids would come back there to get a drink, and I would, like, I'd know I'd have, like, 15 seconds to make them laugh. And i had my quick little comedy club where I'd just be trying to spit out a joke. And so we had the substitute teacher, and she kind of just laughed at my stuff a little bit. Like, she didn't, I, she didn't really yell at me, you know, and I didn't register her too much, but she didn't yell at me. And then she came in one day, and she goes, I saw somebody on the tonight show last night and they reminded me of you his name was jerry seinfeld Mm -hmm. and i didn't know what the tonight show was i didn't know who jerry seinfeld was but i was curious and i got a tv in my room and i started to wait for the tonight show to i watched the Tonight show every night and i waited for jerry seinfeld to come back on it was probably like eight or nine months but in the meantime i was watching like comedians and actors on tv which I, I didn't know a show existed where the actors i watch on tv would come and talk and i could see what they're really like and all right. that it just blew my mind so finally <clears throat> seinfeld comes back on and i was blown away and i was just like i remember thinking to myself oh my god an adult who normally tells me to stop talking thinks i'm like this guy who's hilarious and it gave me the confidence to be like Ah, wait a second. Maybe I can keep like trying to make people laugh and stuff.
2: But okay, so it's interesting you you mentioned Seinfeld, right? Because out of all the other comics we mentioned up to this point, Burr and Joey or, or, or Stanhope. To yeah. me, Stanhope is
1: Stanhope's hilarious. I saw Stanhope when I was like a story editor on Family Matters. This woman, uh, Angela Davis, had me uh, go to some club, it might've been the laugh factory where they're doing a showcase for like CBS. Mm -hmm. And so all these comics are getting up there and, um, and doing, doing their act and keeping it clean because it's for CBS. And then Stan (laughs) Hope gets up there (laughs) and he starts off with, uh, I blew a speaker in my car today. He was a motivational speaker (laughs) and just goes into the filthiest fucking set. And he was my favorite comic of the night. And I was like, well, I, I don't know what we would do with that on CBS. And so that was that I just enjoyed it. And that was that
2: he, Still has one of my favorite jokes of all time, because I just never saw it. He, the, my favorite joke, and he told it. I used to book this room on Sunset Boulevard called the Union. It was my favorite, one of my favorite rooms ever. First place I ever saw yet. Rogan, Billy Gardell, Stanhope used to come down. It was just this hot box of a room. There's something I liked about that. It was sweaty. People yeah. were on top of each other. Stanhope tells this joke that he was, he was like, you know, my girlfriend, I, I like to titty fuck my girlfriend and, um, and she's always like, that's fine, but how are you going to make it feel good for me? And he said, I'll tell you what, right when I'm about to come, I'll stop punching you in the face. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, that'd be good on CBS. Yeah. <laughs> but it was, for me, I was like, this dude is thinking in a way that, yeah. I'll, ne- I'll never that's think like that. That's the left turn
1: Gronk needed. Yeah, he was just punching people yeah. in the face. Yeah. He opened with punching people. He opened people. with the punching. Yeah,
2: but that, that's the kind of like, y- y- honestly, if I'm, for me, uh, the, the type of comic I've turned into is, I write on stage. Because when I sit and write with my computer, s- and then I take the, that stand up to the stage, it sounds memorized. Because I'm so concerned with the words that I wrote on my computer. Yeah. Instead of just, I actually had a chance to talk to Burr at the roast. And I said, when you tell your stories, he goes, they're different every night. I have to be in the moment. Yeah. Now my punchlines are my punchlines.
1: Get to the same punchline.
2: He said, but but don't you want it to feel, you know, the trick is to feel like you're telling the story for the first time. And if you're stuck on every word, he said, "I, I don't know how good of an actor you are. I'm not that good of an actor. Yeah. So I just need to be in the story again. And you know, what else that does for me? And that's kind of how I do it because it allows me to find new jokes because if I'm stuck in the words, I don't let my brain, but, it, 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 I, but the danger with that is like last night I was at the haha ha and I told a story about, I get these things called cluster headaches. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You told me about those. They and sound like a lot of fun, dude.
2: I was passed out on Ventura oh. Boulevard. Against the barbershop. Oh. I had a dude wake me up with a broom. You can't oh. sleep here. Oh. And I was like, I'm not homeless. He was like, yeah, you are. <laughs> you like, are at the moment. That's basically <laughs> 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 He was like, you have throw up on your shirt and you're sleeping against my wall. Yeah. Whether All you- <laughs> boxes are checked. <laughs> <laughs> Whether you actually have a home or not is really none of my it's concern. Irrelevant. Yeah. But it's a story about I mixed a weed that I never smoked. With this, And unfortunately got a cluster headache at the same time yeah. And this particular weed makes me super paranoid So I thought there were cops out to get me And it was a whole ordeal But I tell this story last night on stage You know what you're saying about stand-ups I experienced it last night Because when I tell stories for the first time I tell them exactly how they happened Yeah. So no punchlines, no So I know I'm going into eight minutes of silence yeah. And it's frightening every time Because those people don't know me, all they know is that there's a guy who's supposed to be funny, who's telling doing eight minutes of silence. Yeah, and they leave there thinking that guy's not funny.
1: Yeah, because I'm not a a
2: process. Right, but they don't get that right. I'm not a musician. No,
1: I get that. I get that because like. and then I want to I ask you one thing about the Seinfeld thing, so I don't want to forget. But uh, but uh, but, uh, but that to me is like uh, you know I'm, you know I'm doing this musical, and we do a different performance every night in previews. Will you tell everybody about the musical. It's called uh, Escape from Margaritaville. It's the Jimmy Buffett musical.
2: I, I just want to tell everybody. I read an article recently about it. In the article, the gist of the article was: I know what you're thinking. <laughs> It's way better than that.
1: <laughs> it's <laughs> fun. It's a good time. You go. You have a couple drinks. You sit down. You laugh. Music's great. Music's great. Funny. If you like Jimmy Buffett, the music's great. If you don't like Jimmy Buffett, you probably should stay away. But <laughs> yeah. uh, um, yeah. I'm sure they'll be happy I said that. But uh, it's no, it's it's a good time. But the thing is, is you do previews every night, so you do the show every night for an audience, but you're changing it every day, and and. You come from TV and you don't understand ch-
2: that you mean before
1: it's before it's officially open. You do like a month of previews. So you'll do a performance every night with an audience, but then you'll make changes. You'll change jokes. You'll change songs. You'll throw songs out. You'll add songs in. And the problem is you only have five hours the next day to make those changes. So you may want to change 20 things but you can only change four of them. So you have to watch it with the audience again, knowing that the jokes are going to bomb and you have better jokes you want to put in, but you can't do it. So you're sitting there in an audience and you wanted to stand up and go, guys, That's going to be a lot better in four (laughs) days, but they don't know that. And it feels like kind of the same thing, whereas I'm trained in TV, get it perfect once and move on. Whereas like this was the first time where I had to experience like, oh, this is a slow, gradual process to get it to the point where I want it to be. And that sounds like, you know, what you have to go through. You like one more than the other?
2: Yeah, I like TV better. Because it's immediate.
1: It's immediate. I'm more the master of my own domain. I'm a control freak. I like to be able to be in charge of everything. That's not the way it is in Broadway. I don't mind it. I respect the process. It's just not how I prefer to work. I don't really love working on one thing for four and a half, five years. You know, yeah. it, it, It's you know. I like to kind of keep moving. All that being said, I love it, and it's been a great time. But if you're asking me which I prefer more, I prefer the TV
2: more. By the way, to be fair, I know you're a control freak. And, and also to be fair, most of the times I would say 99% of the time your joke is better, but I will say this from every actor that's ever worked on any of your sets, you have a very much say, say mine first do you have one? Oh
1: yeah, as long as we get both. Yeah, I don't yeah, care. yeah. It doesn't matter to me.
2: Do you know a lot of people don't do that?
1: Oh really? No, I'm I'm always open to and and, and I don't care where an idea comes from. We had a, a, a greensman that uh, you know was in charge of all the plants and stuff on my name as well, and he would wait by my car every morning with jokes. And get uh, the fuck. Oh, and I loved it, Phil Greens. He's fantastic.
2: Greensman, Phil Green is the greensman. Yeah, Phil Greens. Come no, on. no, no,
1: no. His name isn't Phil oh. Greens. You call him <laughs> Phil Greens. <laughs> oh. People get nicknames around the set, you know, like Johnny Props, Phil Greens, dude, whatever. Dude,
2: we, we had, uh, Jacob's, uh, allergy dude was Dr. I, E-I-T-C-H-E-S, Dr. Itches.
1: Okay, I'm going to tell you something now. I don't want to go over the top on your story here yeah. because that's bad press. But I, By the, my, it's a very
2: Jay Moore thing to do. I
1: know. It's a very Jay Moore thing to do. Here's the thing. My sister, and you can Google this. Her gynecologist no. in Virginia was named Dr. Harry Beaver. And I'm not, like, it's the truth.
2: You got to go by Harold, first of all. Yeah.
1: You got to go by Harold. Harry Beaver. And my wife's was uh, Dr. Hyman. What's the deal? Like, I don't know. It comedy follows me. By the it way. It follows me.
2: I, I have told the story a zillion times about how before your first child was born, you were like, I'm thinking about naming him Dr. Yeah.
1: Dr. Garcia. Garcia. Just like in kindergarten, (laughs) like saying roll, Dr. Garcia. So great. Love it. My wife was totally against it.
2: Greg, but that's the difference, right? So we bought a new house. There's a pool. And I told Beth, I'm like, you know what we should do? Because we're draining the pool because we're turning it saline. We should paint a mural of ourselves on the bottom of the pool. Yeah. Love it. And she's like, does everything have to be a joke? I'm like, yes. yes. Why else are we here? Yeah. And I was like, and I told her, I go, listen, you can pick out a picture uh, because it's happening, or you can be surprised the next time you go shoot something. When you come back, there's going to be a picture. So yeah. you you oughta you better have a say because otherwise you're going to leave it up to me and you're not going to like it at all. But I'm uh, oh. there's a hundred percent chance. Look,
1: I tweeted something that my wife did not appreciate, and I ended up taking it down, and and I probably shouldn't have done it. But uh, she said to me, "Is a laugh really that important to you?" And I looked her right in the eye and I said absolutely it yeah. is any laugh i can get is that i said look around this is all built on laughs, <laughs> it is it's all i have you don't take away the laughs. If you take away the laugh I'm, I'm done i got nothing else
2: jacob asked me about a, a he goes like do you have to leave that joke on youtube i'm like do you like those shoes yeah and he was like yeah i'm like that joke bought those shoes yeah. so you can live in the backyard if you want if you want me to tell stop telling jokes about you <laughs> that's fine you want to live outside for the rest of your life like that's that's this is where it comes it's from. It's fair game.
1: Now let me ask you one thing about Seinfeld because you said it was interesting that I mentioned Seinfeld yeah. and then you transitioned to Bill Burr and stuff like that. What what do you what what were you going to say there?
2: Because Seinfeld you I don't know when you're going to see another Seinfeld. Yeah. Style-wise. Yeah. Observational, quick to the joke, set up punchline. It's very old school yeah. right now. You're not learning really anything about him by each joke, by the totality of the set, you learn a little bit, but you know comedy now is so personal.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I was like him in the fifth grade. I I you know, I've developed well, way that's, way that's past him. My question him now. My
2: question is like, <laughs> do you still hold him in higher regard as the other
1: No, I can't say I do. You know what? I got No, he is not he would not be on my list of top 20 people I'd want to go see live right now. And, and It's crazy, right? It is crazy. And he's a genius and he's great. Genius, And it was more of just the confidence it gave me. But the funny thing is, is I did see him live not that long ago. And I bought tickets to at, a, at an auction. I bought tickets to see him in Vegas. And with the tickets, you got a meet and greet. And I thought, I'm doing this. It's on my wife's birthday. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell him the story of the fifth grade substitute. I'm doing it. I'm going, right? So I go and I see him on stage. And in defense of him, too, the whole time I'm watching him, all I'm thinking is running through how I'm going to tell the story (laughs) and I want to get it. You know, like, I want this to be, like, I'm terrified. But I'm going to do it because uh-huh. it's just like, look, I've always thought if I ever met the guy, I want to tell him this story. And I think it's a good story. And I had it like kind of planned out. So like I kind of bury the lead and I don't say what I ended up doing. but I, And I had a couple like charming little things in it. I had it to a tight three minutes. I had rehearsed it in my head a million times. Mm-hmm. I knew what I was doing. Did you do it in the do. mirror? I did it in the mirror. Mm-hmm. I did it in the car. I had it down pat, right? So the show ends and we go and we get taken down. Uh, below uh, the theater there. And there's about eight groups getting ready to take their picture with them. And there's like a blue sheet on the wall, whatever, and then a f- professional photographer. And I'm letting people go in front of me because I'm like, I don't want to be in the middle of this because then I'm going to feel rushed. I want to tell my story. So I'm letting people go in front of me. He comes in, he starts taking pictures and I see like, oh, this is quick. Okay, oh man, maybe I can get this down to two minutes. And I'm kind of editing in my head. And then in The door behind me walks Phil Rosenthal, the creator of Everybody Loves Raymond. And I know Phil uh, for a couple years, and I said, "Phil, what, 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 hey, what's up, man? What are you doing here?" It's like, I saw Jerry. I just saw Jerry, and now I'm gonna get my picture taken with Jerry. And I go, "That's great, that's great. Look, why don't you go in front of me? Because uh, I actually, there's a story I want to, I want to tell Jerry a story. Oh no, I want to see you tell Jerry a story. Jerry hates people. He's gonna hate it." And I'm like, ah, shit. All right, good. You watch me make a fool of myself then. So you you stand behind me. So now I get to the point where it's my turn. So I lock eyes with Seinfeld. And I said, uh, I said hi, nice to meet you. I said, um, you know, I, I want to tell you a story. And he gets a look on his face mm. like, oh, my God, are you fucking kidding me? Just like this kind of death, empty stare of just like, please don't, please don't. And I'm like, listen, I promise you. I promise you, it's it, I'll make it quick. And I can't do it. I, my Seinfeld's not as good as my Rosenthal. But he's like, I don't get, Quick is not my concern. I yeah.
2: hope it's good. Yeah. You know,
1: I tell stories for a living. You're talking to someone who tells a story for a living. And I wanted to say
2: Me right, too, easy, motherfucker. Buddy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: easy. Yeah. All right. But I, I got but it. I but yeah. I didn't want to I didn't want to, you yeah. know, I was bearing the lead. So I go, no. But no, you no.
2: didn't, you didn't you didn't go with Phil and be like, Phil, tell him who I am, or you didn't give any of that. Like, no, no, no. But you wait,
1: you'll see what okay. happens. So I said no, no, no! I promise it's good, it's good, it's good. And I launch into the story. Now, as I'm looking at him, I'm realizing he just doesn't want to hear the story, and I'm find myself making edits on the fly. And I don't even know what I said. I told my wife afterwards. I feel like I just talked about. I just said he was funny and talked about my own accomplishments for like five, for like three <laughs> minutes. But she said it wasn't that bad. But the, here's the thing: as I'm telling the sto- story. Phil Rosenthal's over my back shoulder going, Jerry, that's Greg Garcia. You're talking to Greg Garcia. That's Greg Garcia. And I'm looking back at Phil and looking at Jerry, and I'm realizing a couple things. Jerry doesn't know who Phil Rosenthal is. He didn't know Phil? No. Not from what I could tell from his facial expressions. He certainly doesn't know who I am or that my name (laughs) means anything to him. So I finally I just wrap up the story, and Jerry says like, well, congratulations or something, and I said, "Well, this is my wife." He goes, "Let's get a picture," and then he goes, "Let's put your wife between us." <laughs> I said, "Okay." <laughs> so he puts my wife between us. We put a picture. I had to put the picture on Twitter, and we just walked away, and that was and that was it. Let's and a put moment, your I, wife yeah, between us. And I and I and it, so it, it, it like. My whole life since the fifth grade, I thought about that moment, and then it was over, and then we went to dinner, and my wife was like, you're still thinking about that. And I go, yeah, but I got to tell you, I either wanted it to end with like him like saying, we should go to dinner, mm-hmm. you and I, and be best friends, or having it just be incredibly awkward and horrible, so Great that's story. a fun story. So yeah, so I, I finally got the, the chance to do it.
2: Can I tell you that as somebody who does meet and greets every weekend, we dread the last person in line because oh. generally they have chosen to go last <laughs> yeah,
1: that's me buddy for a
2: reason yeah just so you me. know we know like I, when i do meet and greets i always look to see who's last because i'm like why have they chosen to go last yeah you can see them they let people go in front of them oh, yeah, no yeah, no yeah. go yeah. ahead i'm uh i'm just paying my go ahead i just gotta try to <laughs> like there they <laughs> have was so something it was planned so pathetic. yeah there's something planned
1: so like there was a woman in line with the world's longest fingernails. Right, crazy looking fingernails, so gross. And Jerry Seinfeld was felt more awkward around me than than her.
2: (laughs) Those are the type. By the way, those type of world records where you're like, there's a weird body part, but the long nails, the ones that curl, those gross. It was so gross. And she was so
1: proud of them. And her mom was there. The whole family was there. She can't do anything. I asked her how she wiped her ass, and and she claimed as though she could do it and there's no way bidet bidet or that's where mom steps in or you know well, y- i don't know
2: you know i told you about that dude that i went out to eat with who had one tooth out of his front eight. Oh, okay and i was like hey uh so this was my daughter do- my daughter when i took her to get her i drove across country to get her first kiss
1: yeah i know this story
2: the dude, like, that was my friend. The dude who, his, the guy, the kid's father, had one tooth out of his front eight. And I was like, hey, man, I'll, you know, I'll buy dinner, wherever you want to go. And he was like, I'd like to have some steak. I'd, be like, I'd like to see you eat some steak. <laughs> right, was, that was that the would fir- be
1: worth the price of admission. It's, the
2: fir- it's just like with the fingernails. My first thing, my first thought was, how's, how is
1: how's this going to happen?
2: The whole ride over with my daughter, all she's worried about is, how do I look? I'm like, how do you think he eats that steak? <laughs> She's like, stop saying that. I'm like, do you think the re- like her, his son chews it for him like a baby bird or something? Like, I, I, I was so fascinated, Greg, with yeah. how this dude. But it's the same thing. When I see people like that, like, how does that? When I, I, there was one time, and I never thought about this. I And I think I told this story on Joey's podcast where I went to the bathroom at Ralphie May's house uh-huh. and I fell in the toilet. I didn't know there was such a thing as buying extra large toilets. Oh, I didn't know that either. Fell right in. Wow. I was like, hey, Ralphie, and he, he, I fell in your toilet. He was like, yeah, it's, I, I've broken some toilets. I had to buy a jumbo. <laughs> oh, I didn't even know that was a thing. That's amazing. So you can buy a jumbo. You and I have known each other how long, man? Oh, God. ninety. It's 99?
1: It might have even been before 99, but it's at least 99. So... Yeah, 99, 99, because it was right before Yes Dear got on the air. Yeah, 99.
2: For me, uh, and uh, we've seen a lot of different things happen in each other's careers. We had talked about this, you know, because we wanted to make sure we didn't repeat any stories from the first time. And there is a story that you had mentioned that I don't, I think I only know the beginning.
1: Yeah, I don't think you know what happened after you set it in motion.
2: I, so guys, a couple years ago, Charlie Sheen did that comedy tour, right? And he was looking yeah. for writers. And the guy who was putting on the show, the head of the, the comedy guy Live Nation, Jeff Wales, called me. He was like, "Do you know anybody?" And I'm like, "Listen, I know somebody who's the funniest person I know, who likes a fucking train wreck and a shit show almost more than anybody I
1: know." Also, <laughs> absolutely.
2: When I said, "Hey, let's do the, we'll do the podcast here," but we're moving. The house is kind of a shit show. You just texted back, I love shit shows. And I was like, well, that's right. It doesn't fucking matter. But so I don't know that I... So you call me one day and you're like,
1: hey. uh," And now Charlie Sheen is in the epicenter, the the middle of this tiger blood. He's doing all the tweeting. He's quit, you know, whatever. He's off two and a half men, And nobody knows what he's going to do next. But he's like, he's going nuts. Yes. You call me and you say, hey, would you want to um, meet with Charlie Sheen about structuring, help structuring his one-act show, his one-man show that he's going to go out on the road with. And I said, listen, there's no way I, I want to actually do it, but God, I'd love to have that meeting. That's exactly what you said. <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly. You were like, and, I don't I don't want
2: to go on a road with him, but I'd like to sit down.
1: And you said, great, set it up. I'll yeah. set it up. So then you got me on the phone with the Live Nation guy. He talked to me for a little bit. And I wasn't like, you know, I was kind of, I was to in the line of like wanting to be somewhat honest, honest to not waste his time but at the same time I wanted to get this meeting you know and often with these meetings too it's like they don't care you can say I don't want to do it they just want to get you in the room with mm-hmm. somebody because they know that's how the only way it's going to work anyway so he was like look let me talk to Charlie I don't know I th- we we want to get somebody in there with him I don't know if he'll be resistant to it let me see what happens so I don't hear anything for like a week and I'm like all right well this just didn't happen he calls me on a wednesday at like 9:30 a.m. and he's like hey man uh, can you meet me at Charlie's house at noon I was like absolutely absolutely, yeah I I definitely can so I got off the phone I was immediately terrified like what are you going into like you don't know and I also thought oh my god I think I'd done like a podcast and talked about him so I googled my name as his name and like halfway down the page there was a link to like a Tony Kornheiser podcast where I like talked about Charlie Sheen Mm -hmm. and I made some jokes and whatever it wasn't that bad but I, I got nervous like what if Charlie Sheen like he's like looks me up he knows we're having the meeting whatever so I called somebody at ESPN I was like hey can you get this down for like a brief period of time and they did they took it down so I was like I was like really yeah because I was like covering myself just in case yeah so I show up at noon I meet Jeff out front, and uh, we, he goes, uh, all right, there's a couple guys here. They've been working on some stuff with them, some video stuff for the show. So we knock on the door. One of the guys answers that's doing the video stuff, and we go in, and they said, Charlie's writing. He's writing, so he'll be out in a little bit. And they show us the video package they've been working on and kind of explain what He wants to do, but they're not really sure. It's kind of like Apocalypse Now when like Martin Sheen shows up on the beach and like just it's mayhem and like no one's in charge. (laughs) It felt like that a little bit. And I was just soaking it all in. So we sat down.
2: How many people are in his house at this time? Just there's out of like curiosity. There's
1: like the two guys working on the video stuff. There's Jeff and I, and then there's a couple other people kind of walking Any around. Goddesses? There's the Asian guy. No goddesses yet. There's the Asian guy that I think was his assistant walking around doing stuff, but it was pretty quiet for the most like part. Like Boogie
2: Nights Asian? With the yeah, part? yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, that yeah. kind of? His name
1: was Shady Shady Asian or something, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, like that was his nickname. I could be wrong, but that's what I remember. Okay. So then at one point, Charlie comes out of his office or wherever he is, and he's got like a bloody nose, and he's walking past, and he says something like, oh, I stopped doing drugs, and then I get a bloody nose. Now, this is around the time he allegedly found out he had HIV or whatever. Like, I go back and do the math and whatever, but he's got a bloody nose. He goes and treats that. Then he comes back through, and he says, ah, I'll be out in a little bit. He kind of clocks Jeff and recognizes him. He says, And he looks at me just kind of with a blank stare, and he goes back into his office. So now we're just waiting. We're just killing time. Then the doorbell rings. He comes out. He opens the door, and it's Paula Abdul. And now I'm just like, what the fuck is going on? So now he says hi to Paula Abdul. They go into another room. They talk for about 45 minutes. Still, I'm just sitting there waiting. And you waiting. and Jeff. Me and Jeff and the two dudes that are working on this video package. What are we
2: talking about when you guys are
1: – I don't even remember, man. Just killing time. I mean, it, it devolves <laughs> into just us looking at our phones at a certain <laughs> right, point. Right, you know, right. It's like we only have so much to talk about. So finally, Paula Abdul leaves. He comes in the room, and he says to Jeff, he goes, ah, sorry, guys, sorry, you know, I I just had to talk to Paula Abdul, you know. uh, uh, I'm talking with her about uh, writing a book. I might write a book. And I just, I didn't know what to say, so I was like. Wait,
2: Paula Abdul's your go-to for writing a book?
1: I guess she had written a book, and I guess he knows her because she was married to his brother, right, Emilio Estevez. Okay. So I just said something like, listen, I don't want to give you any advice, but. I'd hire somebody else other than Paul Abdul to ghostwrite your book, <laughs> yeah. and he kind of like chuckles. He kind of like chuckles at yeah. that, you know. And then Jeff takes that as going, "Hey, listen, you know, I just want to introduce you to Greg. He uh, he's he's a writer, and we thought maybe you know we talked about bringing someone into structure and blah blah." And he goes, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah n- nice to meet you." And I said, uh, "I said yeah, nice to meet you." I said, "I, I said I got to tell you, I've never done like a live show before." I'm actually a sitcom writer. I'm actually what you're at war with right now, with Chuck Lorre. Uh, I'm actually a showrunner. Uh, and he goes, wait a second, what? what's, what's your last name? And I go, uh, Garcia. He goes, you're Greg Garcia. You're Greg Garcia. I was at the Emmys. I was at the Emmys. I saw your speech. No, thank you, Mr. McAdoo. That's fucking, you're fucking amazing. You're fucking amazing. And I thought to myself at the time, whatever, whatever, Opinions I had of Charlie Sheen at that point were completely thrown out the window. Like if I walked at the time when he was alive, if I walked into like a cave and Osama bin Laden was like, "Yes, dear, I love yes, <laughs> yeah. dear," I'd be like, "Hey, <laughs> what's up, <buddy>? <laughs> <laughs> So like, I'm I'm sold, right? Like it does not yeah. take much. Like I have a simple rule: you like me, I like you. It's the Trump rule. It's, oh, it's the Trump rule. So. So I'm like, yeah. He goes, oh, my God, blah, 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 blah. He goes, "Uh, I can't believe I kept you waiting. God damn it. I never should have kept you waiting. And then I did another, like, worst joke in the world. But he was doing all that winning stuff. And I go, that's all right. I go, I don't mind at all. I got the first chapter of my autobiography. When I I do this, uh, when I talk about this story, I'm going to call it waiting. Terrible joke. Yeah. He starts laughing. He goes, joke of the day, joke of the day. And I'm like, man, the bar is low around here.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So. So then it's gonna fill you with confidence. You're like, I'm gonna kill him. This house. I'm loving it. <laughs> so so then, so then he
1: goes, he goes, he goes, I don't hate all showrunners. Just Chuck Lorre. just Chuck Lorre. And he said something to me that I'll never forget. He goes, he just says two things. He goes, I tell you what, if he was if he was laying on the ground dying, I'd just walk up and I'd spit in his mouth. I'd spit in his mouth and I go, Wow, okay. He goes, I'll tell you what else. He goes, I'd like to rip off his face and then I'd wear it while I'm fucking his children. What? And I go, that is possibly the, he goes, if he's dead, I didn't do it, but they're going to question me. And I go, yeah, I think they're going to question me now too. Yeah, yeah. everybody in the room. Yeah. And then he's like, he's paused for a second. He goes, because of what I just said. (laughs) (laughs) And I go, yeah, yeah. He's like a madman. I'm with a madman in this dining room. So then Jeff looks at me and he goes, all right, I got to take off. I got to get a haircut. You guys talk for a while. And he leaves. And I'm like, whoa, whoa. I thought you were the lion tamer. Yeah. What the hell? So now the two of us go into his theater and we just sit in his theater right next to each other and we just start talking. And he's like, and I go, so what are you going to do for this show? And he just starts rattling off all these ideas he has for his one man show. And like what? Like what kind of... They make no sense. They make no sense. He, he, he He's just going gonna to talk about Two and a Half Men, but then he's going to do something else. And it's just like so disjointed and confusing. And you can tell nobody has told him no. Nobody has told him no. So he's just saying all these things. He says he's going to take questions. And I go, well, what if... I go, okay, you're going to take questions from the audience? Yeah, I'll take questions from the audience. I go, all right, will you pre-screen the questions so you kind of know what they are? No, no. I go, okay, but what if somebody answers a question that you really don't want to answer? I won't answer it. I go, okay, what if... What if somebody else? What if the next four questions is something you don't want to answer? I won't answer them. I go, but but what if people start to get mad at that? <laughs> yeah. He goes, hey man,
2: you can always run. That was his.
1: <laughs> and I go, actually you can. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I guess you can just run. Of course you can just run, run off stage. So I'm just trying to like keep the conversation going and just be agreeable and throw things out. And I was trying to like. Uh, no matter what he was or who he was, just human instinct. Like I was trying to help him like a little bit, and then a goddess came in, and I met a goddess. And uh does he
2: introduce them? As, did he introduce him as a goddess? No,
1: he he might have said, "This is one of the goddesses," and I forget which one it was, but. Maybe Brie. Brie. Yeah. And uh, and so I met her, and that was nice. And then at a certain point, I just said, listen, I got to go. My son's playing minor, uh, uh, whatever, baseball. I got to go see him. So I left, and I said, listen, you know, and he gave me his cell phone and email and said, let's let's keep talking about this. And I knew, you know, I was not going to probably do anything with it. But then I left, and the greatest thing was is he walked me out, and he shut the door. And as I was walking away on the, on the sidewalk, I just heard from inside the house, that guy is a fucking rock star. Hilarious. And, and that, you, that was fantastic. But that's all you needed. That's all I needed. That's the
2: whole reason you went is for that meeting.
1: Yeah. So then Jeff called me and was like, Charlie loves you. He wants you to go on tour with him and all this stuff. And I go, listen, I, I can't. It's my hiatus. I got family vacations planned. Listen, I would love to go on tour with Charlie Sheen and just follow this whole thing, but I can't. So then I hooked up my buddy, Tim Stack. Oh, and said, "Let's yeah. get Tim Stack in there." So Tim hook, got hooked into it, and then worked for like three or four days, five days, and then Charlie just fired everybody and threw everything out, and then he just went on on the thing. So then I ran into him at a charity event.
2: How much long, How long? How far past Probably
1: that? By six months later, and someone says, "Charlie Sheen's here at the charity event." It was a, a juvenile diabetes event, and and I go, uh, "I said, oh shit, I got to go over and say hi. I got to see him." So I walked over, and like I didn't know if he'd remember me or anything, and I'm but. Three feet away from him, and he looks up and he goes, Garcia! I'm like, hey, man, what's going on? <laughs> I go, uh, I go, how's it going? He goes, ah, oh, it's going good, it's going good, it's good to see you. And I go, uh, I go, yeah, man. I go, uh, uh, sorry, it didn't work out with Tim Stack and all that. And he goes, ah, oh, no, 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 no. Tim's great. Tim's great. I, 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 man. He goes, oh, we went out there, man. First couple shows, man, they hated it. <laughs> they hated it. Got booed off stage. He goes, it was crazy. And I go, yeah, yeah. I go, but you turned it around. He goes, yeah, yeah, we turned it around. We turned it around. So that's the last. I think I ran into him one time at the one, at the Radford lot too. So uh, you know, but, but insane. It
2: it just shows you also. How easy some people think stand-up is. That you're just yeah. going to get out there
1: and just... You're just going to do it, right? Yeah. And that has to be so insulting to stand-ups. Of like, oh, yeah, well, I'm just going to get up there and do it.
2: It is bananas to me. Yeah. When people are just like, well, I'm just going to start doing stand-up. Oh, yeah? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, good. Good luck. Yeah. Can't wait. There's, it's not like one of those things where you're like, no, yeah. Oh, yeah, I think I can just play guitar. No? No. no. You know what is always funny to me, too? Like, comedy clubs are... Uh, it would, heckling in general Yeah Like say you saw Pearl Jam You wouldn't be like Hey I'm gonna go grab the mic from Eddie I think I can do Alive better than he can no. Like It is always fascinating to me That you would go somewhere And just decide You're gonna be the funny one It makes no Sense to me at all.
1: Yeah, but I will say this. I mean, once you get alcohol involved and depending on the person, like I took some buddies to a, a charity event, a Who concert that was in somebody's front yard. It was what? Ridic- It was ridiculous. It was uh, Joan Jett, Eddie Vedder, and then The Who played a full set. It what? Was, it was crazy. It was crazy. In
2: somebody, at somebody's house? Yeah,
1: somebody in Pacific Palisades. It was at their house. There was like 300 people there. That's it. What? So we're so we sit through, you know, so we watch uh, everybody, and then and it's the who, and then I've got a buddy there from high school who's way boozed up, and uh, and he's we're like, I mean, we could reach out and touch Roger Daltrey's foot, like we're just standing right there, and then that song, it's an imminent front, it's mm-hmm. an imminent front. He's my buddy is screaming at the top of his lungs, which is getting picked up on the mic. We're so close. He's going when elephants fuck. <laughs> when elephants fall. and he won't he won't stop Now it's the funniest thing in the world and I hate myself because I found myself being annoyed because like the woman that set up the whole event that like works at Merrill Lynch is like looking at me. And I like and like you know ten years ago I'm I'm screaming it right there with him and yeah. I felt I did feel bad because I felt like I was embarrassed by it and starting to get annoyed and I've yet to tell that story to someone where they just don't die laughing.
2: That's so good. And he's just screaming it at the top. When of the elephants book. funk. <laughs> when elephants fuck, it's a put on. Yeah. Actually, my my cousin Gary thought it was living in a trunk. Cause we're living in a trunk.
1: Yeah. No, it's, it's actually when elephants fuck. It's when elephants fuck yeah. my fault. Yeah, you should let him know. <laughs>
2: they played that song when we went and saw them at Old Cella. Yeah. That was one of those songs I hated on the radio. But live, I was like, oh, this song. They were so good. And Daltrey, you know, beginning of the show, all the buttons buttoned on his shirt. Yeah. And then slowly, and you know he's like a magician. You never see him on un- <laughs> you never see him unbutton a button, but then you're like, is another button unbuttoned? And at the, he just had one, like the third one from the top. He kept buttoned. Yeah, which was an interesting choice. That is an
1: interesting choice. The
2: third one he kept, like right on the breastplate, was the one he kept. But everything else just flowing. Yeah. But he and I kept going. Yeah, I. How do I not see him unbutton every button? But he didn't. It was also. Maybe Pete does it. He, well, <laughs> 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 I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. At your concert when you saw them. Did Pete let Roger Daltrey talk?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He let him talk. They were both talking. See, because it was such a laid-back atmosphere, too. I think they did probably more talking than they normally do, and they were talking about the cause and what have. It's you.
2: a what's the deal? There's a new phenomena with bands that play house concerts. Like there, this is the first I've ever heard of it. But so there is a there is there was a woman that when I was doing shows in San Francisco and she came into the studio and played a live song while i you know in between my dick jokes and um i asked her i'm like so i've never do you tour and she goes yeah but i just do house concerts i'm like i don't know what that is she said oh there's a huge thing across the country where people tour and just do concerts at people's houses wow i, I didn't even know that was a no. that was a thing yeah i, but I wonder she, how
1: much they make I mean it depends on the person I'm
2: Well sure. here's the thing You're not You don't have to pay the You're not paying a place There's no overhead for you anymore Yeah And so it's the Up to the people Whose house it is To set up everything so, And you know You know they either Let you stay at their house I was like That's so bizarre It's When I go on the road And people are like You can stay at my house I'm like Buh.
1: Yeah it's a little
2: Yeah Probably not <laughs> I like you We've been friends a long time there's a holiday in probably going to stay at a hotel. Yeah, probably. Yeah. And they were like, why? Wouldn't you be better to stay at our house? I'm like, I have one of my friends like, wouldn't you be more comfortable in my house? I'm like, no, no, never. I would 100% be <laughs> never less comfortable. Absolutely. There's, there's nothing. First of all, But that's just like,
1: some people are like that and some people aren't. Yes. Some people are just like, I I had a guy and I'm fine with someone coming to my house if they want to come to my house. There was a guy that I was working with and he was coming to town and he was just like, I don't want to stay in a hotel. Just let me, I'll crash at your place. And I was like, really? Okay. It's fine with me. I would never do that. Put me in a hotel. Let me be able to get away when I want to get away. Yeah, and
2: I get up when I wanna get up. I yeah. go to sleep when I wanna to go to sleep. I have weird habits. I'm high a lot. Yeah. You're done. Do, you, know, yeah. You, don't, you don't wanna You don't want me walking around your house high at like three in the morning. I'm no. because there's a chance I'll come into your room like, what's the address? I'm ordering a pizza. <laughs> what's the address here? I can't find I couldn't find a piece of mail. <laughs> I've been looking through yeah, all your Yeah, it's like
1: shit. I say no the same way you say no because you know that person is gonna regret it. Like I'm gonna save yourself the trouble. We're
2: both gonna regret it. Not only that, like a lot of my friends have small kids, and what's your? How old are your youngest? Ten
1: is my youngest. So yeah, we're so then you know. out of it. Yeah,
2: like the idea of staying at a house with a baby.
1: Yeah, that's a pain in the ass. You've done that. You put in your time.
2: Is it true for you also? When, you ha- when I had babies, man, if somebody walked into the room and had a baby, I'd be like, oh, look, a baby. But now, since I don't have babies, if somebody walks into the room with a baby, I'm like, fuck, a
1: baby. No, I've always hated other people's children. It, right? I, I, I mean, there's a very select few kids that I'm like, all right, those kids are cool. But for the most part, I'm like, no. Nah. Babies are I like, like my farts. Kids. They're
2: like farts. You like your own. Yeah,
1: exactly. That's a good. That's but it, good. Yeah, if you had
2: to sit in a car with somebody else's. No, it's yeah, rough. Yeah, there's going to be some bad things no, happening. No,
1: no, no. If people have kids, you don't want to stay there.
2: N- no, and that was the big thing. You know what? I also got in trouble talking to uh, my buddy, Freddie Prince, because I was like, listen, man, there should be an airline that doesn't allow children. And he was like, that's a terrible idea. I'm like, I'd pay extra money. If my ticket was on an average $50 to $100 more, but guaranteed. You know for a
1: fact there's no nope. screaming.
2: Hmm. Are you telling me there weren't pe- there aren't people with a couple extra dollars in their pocket? Business travelers. If it was just with no like no kid under the age of say eight.
1: Yeah. Especially like a no kid red eye.
2: Oh, the kid red eye. But uh, did you used to fly with them when they were young?
1: Yeah, my wife did it more than I did because I was working so much that she would go back east and stuff with them, so she had to do it a lot more. Than I did, but, uh, and she would, I mean, she'd be there with like, you know, a four and a two-year-old or... A
2: did you ever, did we, I used to give them Benadryl. Uh,
1: I don't know if she ever gave them Benadryl. They had allergies, so maybe we just, we justified it by that, but I'm go. not sure. Yeah.
2: I, 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 like, I find...
1: A little travel juice.
2: That's what the, the kids used to call it their juice. Yeah. They're like, Danny, do we get our juice? And I was like, well, this sounds terrible, but <laughs> yes, you do get, you get your juice because this was also traveling pre-iPad, move screen on the back of a seat so it was just you entertaining kids
1: yeah plus like i think it's more responsible if, like for me if i'm flying with one of my kids and their baby i'm gonna take a brick of xanax myself so it doesn't seem responsible that they should be up and around <laughs> 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 like that feels yeah, like bad really parenting good point we should both be flat on our ass
2: i mistimed an edible in the airport maybe th- two weeks ago I got a my plane was delayed like 3 hours. Yeah. I don't like to be in the airport high. I like to be on planes high. I That's like-
1: crazy to me. You don't get you don't like I guess cuz I used to have a fear of flying so which I don't anymore like 911 actually cured it because what? yeah, it's a bizarre thing but like I used to be scared of like turbulence and stuff. Like it would freak mm-hmm. me out. Like my palms would sweat, sweat. I'd like not like it at all. But now turbulence I'm like if people aren't running up and down the aisles with yeah. box cutters. we like, pretty good. T- turbulence is nothing. Like, it totally mellowed me out. Um, so, thanks.
2: Uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, that's one of those jokes. Let me just say, that's one of those jokes that somebody's going to be like, that's not a... Guys, <laughs> great joke. Uh, somebody asked me on Twitter yesterday, and we'll get back to the... Is it okay to tell jokes about? Cause I made a joke about a food allergy, or whatever. Is it okay to tell jokes about food allergies when kids are dying? I'm like,
1: yeah, yeah, it is. But that's the thing too. Like, that's a joke which I didn't. I didn't come on here planning to do right like, my material, and then I was like, oh, I'll set up that joke. Like in that moment, I just thought, oh, I just said a good consequence to 9/11. I should, acknowledge. I acknowledge. I should acknowledge this in a humorous way. Yeah. Um. So again. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but uh, what was I going to say? Oh, so 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 for me, like, I don't know how you're on a plane like that. Like, like I would think that that would bring up all my fears and scare me or whatever, but not, not the case for you. It
2: depends on what... First, it depends on what type of weed. But I generally watch most of my movies on planes. Okay. So, be, because, you know, when I'm on the road, I'm not going to movies during the day. And uh, when I'm home, you know, I like to hang out with you know the people who live yeah. in this house and you're
1: on planes a lot so you have yeah. plenty of time to do that
2: well I also know that the way I enjoy movies the most is high you know the the day that I got I threw up on the sidewalk in front of the barbershop here in Ventura Boulevard the whole plan was to go to Spider-Man super high <laughs> it's a solid plan Greg you know how high I was planning on being yeah I, w- I bought tickets for the arc light I was going by myself yeah but I bought three tickets yeah <laughs> So, so I could spread my snacks out and shit. I got shit. you. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I bought Beth was like, you bought three tickets. I'm like, oh, I know.
1: Some weirdo could have sat next to you and thrown the whole day off. It
2: would have fucked up yeah. the whole game.
1: You needed a You needed a invisible invis- a shield. Yes. I yeah. needed
2: someone to say, who's sitting there? Nobody. Nobody. Just so you know. And I have evidence <laughs> yeah. of that by <laughs> that this ticket. That, that includes you. Yeah. But I wanted versatility. So maybe like I wanted, I don't know. But I, I hear wanted, you. Right, right.
1: But 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 You may want to act out a scene. Who knows? You don't know what's gonna happen.
2: I might spidey it up. I don't know what's gonna <laughs> exactly. happen in there. But so on the mo in the in the in the in the planes, for me, I like to be high. Uh one because food tastes better. I'm gonna enjoy the movie more, and it's the opposite for me. When I'm not high, then my, you're worried about it. My brain races to huh, bad places. Okay. But when I'm high, my brain stays on a single track and it goes one way. And, it, and it, when it gets bumped off the track, it just get, jumps onto another track and it just goes in another direction.
1: So you timed it wrong.
2: I timed it wrong. So now what, I'm, a, I'm alone in a sea of people. Fucked up. <laughs> that, is, that is the epitome for me of not good. That's not good. Because now I'm like, everybody knows I'm high. Yeah. And although I know the dogs at the airport's or ninety nine percent of the time, bomb dogs. Now I see a dog, and I'm literally like, I, I, it's like, there was a scene from a oh what movie was it where they ate all that weed because a cop pulled them over? But I'm like, I'm gonna have to eat all forty edibles <laughs> right now, like <laughs> right fucking now. Yeah, I've I've been I've had my edibles taken out of my bag from the TSA lady before. Really? So I had all this. How ag-
1: nervous does that make you? Well, I was high yeah so super nice. yeah okay
2: but i i and i'm tsa pre-check so i you know usually it's not a problem and i get on basically as i'm walking through uh uh, security 10 minutes i'm on a plane like so i don't mind starting to get high as i'm doing that yeah this time i'm going through and it had all this podcast stuff so wires they got some mics so obviously it spiked something in somebody and they pull my bag out and i'm like oh shit But then I forgot that I was going to a place where the staff loved edibles. So it wasn't like the four that I usually bring. Yeah. You're a good guest. It was 30. Yeah. 30 edibles makes me a little more nervous. I can talk my way out of four.
1: Yeah. 30 is, uh, it starts to border on a little narcos. Yeah. 30 is intent. Yeah.
2: Right? Four is recreational. Four is, helps me sleep. I can spin whatever story I want at four.
1: Like, if you're Joey Diaz and you get caught with 30, you could show them a video and say, this is a snack. This is what I'm eating before <laughs> the play. Yeah. yeah. But, but me... Yeah, you, not, not as mu- as much.
2: So she's going through, and she takes this bag of 30 edibles out because it was on top of this stuff.
1: Aren't they labeled as edibles?
2: Well, yeah, they say Chews. <laughs> okay. All so right. I didn't unwrap. There
1: hasn't been... Yeah, there hasn't been any creative packaging on your behalf, thinking somebody might see it.
2: No, and also I think legally the packaging has to tell you what it is. I would think it would be kind of illegal for it not to.
1: No, I understand that, but that doesn't mean you have to keep it in that oh, packaging right. to go to the airport. Right,
2: right. No, 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 no. A smart man yeah, would probably that's what I'm getting repackage at. Yes. the weed. Did you think no. you were dealing with this? <laughs> no, okay. I didn't. I just okay. wanted to confirm. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, there's no... Yeah. She takes the bag out, holds it up, by her face, like she's doing a commercial. Yeah. And she goes, you want to talk about these? <laughs> and I said, only if you do. And she goes, I don't. And I go, great. She said, I think you should go get on your plane. I'm like, me too. There you go. She said, have a great day. And she put them back in the bag. And I was like, you... Do you but know isn't that-,
1: that the way it should be? Yes. It's not a bomb. It's not a weapon.
2: What's the worst thing that happens if I bring 30... Maybe I give them to 30 people and everybody has a good time.
1: Yeah, maybe you laugh harder at an adam sandler movie than you should
2: by the way you remember that movie switch yeah so maybe the most embarrassing time i've ever had in a theater i'm sitting with all three of my kids and um jacob's next to me caitlin is on the other side of him and trevor's on my right side and there's a scene i get really emotional in father son scenes its just what just gets to you it gets to me man it just all Billy Elliot made me cry like 40 times okay. on a first date in the movie <laughs> we I, you know who I went that with It work for you though I went with the, a woman named EG Daly who was the voice for Tommy on Rugrats yeah 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 you know eg I know, know, e. that, name. I yeah, know yeah. that
1: name that name sucks she
2: was me. one of the powerpuff girls she was eg was the girl in the original Valley girl okay one of the girls anyways doesn't matter I'm on a
1: she was in, oh, she was in Valley Girl. EG, yeah. Oh my God, I had the hugest crush you know on her. Who I'm sorry, she
2: had that scratchy voice. Yes, yeah.
1: she was Pee Wee Herman's girlfriend. Girlfriend, and, oh yes. Oh my God, she, the guy took her up to the bedroom in Valley Girl and she took her top yes. off. Oh, buddy. Yeah. I was like 12. Are you kidding me?
2: So I went. Oh, I'm in love with her. I went on a couple dates with her. You're my hero. Uh, okay. And she, by the way, she, her voice is like a singing voice. Is like an angel. She's got a great voice. A great voice, but I'm on David a her. talking voice. It, I think at one point when I was crying in the movie, I think she even leaned over. And she was like, "Are you crying?" <laughs> and that was one of those things where you're like, "Well, this is really. I got to read this right," <laughs> 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 because that that's What's really the right <laughs> <answer>? <laughs> a really is it. But I'm so we're in Switch, and I think that was the name of the movie Switch. Yeah, and there was a father-son scene with Sandler and his kid. Uh huh. And I started to. Tear up. One tear goes down my my cheek, and Trevor leans over. Maybe at the time, maybe he was like fourteen. Seems like thirteen. And he leans over and he goes, "Hey," and I go, "Yeah." And I and he goes, "Is that a tear?" <laughs> and I go, "Yeah." And he goes, "Get it together." <laughs> 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 and I was like, "Got it, got it." Yeah, <laughs> yeah good, I hear you. Good note. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Probably not the movie to be tearing up in the oh, sand.
1: I like that I know your trigger point now though, Oh, the father son stuff, yeah,
2: do you cry in movies,
1: yeah, but I cry at like um uh uh like big sports mom underdog sports moments yeah. miracle Ru- Rudy, I can't get through Rudy uh without crying at the end, miracle, miracle yes, but then the one that gets me every time the- cool runnings, cool runnings
2: <laughs> nails you, ah, are I you can't. serious
1: i every time, yeah. And we did I worked I worked on a sitcom getting personal and uh with Dwayne Martin and uh, Vivica Fox uh-huh. and John Cryer. and we did a whole bit about cuz I told the room how I cried I, I cry every time I watch cool runnings and then Dwayne Martin did a hysterical thing where he admits that to everybody on the show but yeah I cool runnings I mean when they pick up the bobsled and just finish buddy gets me every time
2: Dude th- you say that with the uh, Dwayne Martin did the run but that is kind of the essence of your writing, which is you take real and truth and then build it out from there.
1: Yeah. Isn't that right? As much as I can, yeah, as much as I can.
2: Because to me, that's where the funniest shit happens. Like that one story I told you, remember I told you the story about the dude? Oh my
1: God, and I, you, the, the guy that puts the pantyhose on his head, yeah. I think you talked about it on, on, uh, on Joey recently. Yeah. Uh, and because uh, uh, Cricket, or, or no a Cockroach no, a Cockroach A cricket went in my mouth Once when I was sleeping That's what I was thinking there. A cockroach went into his mouth And he sleeps with pantyhose On his head Yeah To protect himself Because he can breathe through it And everything yeah. And you told me that story And I just said Dude Would you mind if I used that On Raisin Hope And you were very gracious And said go for it And so we had a character She was worried Something was going to Crawl in her ear And so she slept with panty- Shannon Woodward She slept with pantyhose On her head
2: But dude but that
1: I never would have thought Of that in a million years That came from real life That came
2: from you it, but, but, a lot of, but, but a lot of your stuff that's how you weave a lot of your stuff in there, isn't that right?
1: Yeah, I just steal shit from people. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that is how. Yeah, and 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 even like some of my shows, like you know, I did a pilot called Super Clyde, and I, I think we talked about it before, so I won't get into it. But like that came from like me working at Burger King during the writer's strike, and 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 you know, I try to do stupid stuff and then try to see if I can turn that into TV shows, or I'm just always. Looking for stuff, you know, what happened. And and when funny stuff happens, I just immediately go home and write it down. And I have like a huge file of just like bits or scenarios or whatever that I can turn into stories or, you know. And then sometimes it's just like your mind wanders and you're like, all right, well, this is what happened. But if it would have taken a left turn here and gone this way and then you turn it into a story. So you take real life and it inspires you to actually build on it and make something that you can shoot.
2: That's kind of what you did with the show that's on. TBS right now, right? Yeah,
1: so The Guest Book is something that's on uh, Thursdays at 10:30 on TBS and I used to go to the mountains where I would rent a house in Big Bear so I could uh, write because it was loud at my house and what have you. And I just went up there so I could just like come up with stories for raising hope and whatnot. And they had a guest book. Always when I would rent these places, they have a guest book. So the first time I went up there, I looked at the guest book and I was reading it. And they have all these stories about people just like hanging out and everything. And uh, how, you know, half page of what, what they did while they were in the mountains. And I grabbed it and I just decided to write a 40-page story of just something fucked up and dark and comedic that supposedly happened in the house. Just to freak out the next people that rented the house for when they read it. I think the first one was about, like, two guys that went up there from work, and they didn't really know each other, and they were playing cards, and one caught the other one cheating, and he shoved a fork in the guy's eye, and it was just this big, long fight that I described in the book, and then they put the fork back in the drawer, and then they felt bad (laughs) because, like, they didn't know which one it was, so maybe don't use the forks, and... So I just did it to humor myself and I made a copy for myself on my laptop and I went back and I read it to everybody on set and we were laughing but then like I kept renting different houses to write and I kept leaving stories and guest books to freak people out and uh and so I had like 15 of them and I went to TBS and I was like look I have these crazy short stories what do you say we do a show about a cabin in the woods different cast every week for the most part and we just tell these stories. We let them come to life. And they're like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do 10 episodes. So they let me do 10 episodes. So, yeah, we're, we're the season's underway. And um, we have different casts every week. It's great. You know, we have like Jamie Presley. She eats a bunch of pop brownies and ends up uh, hiding in a closet the whole mm-hmm. episode. We got Michael Rappaport. Jenna Fisher from The Office is in one that's just crazy. Um, Shannon was really funny Shannon played a meth head Because I wrote one Because I went up one time And I tried to get into the cabin And the people that give you the keys Weren't there They were closed on Tuesday But I'd driven all the way there So I had to break into the house And like turn on the electricity And everything So I got in there And I was like all right. so what if somebody Had to break into this house That'll be the entry I write And I was like Who would break in Well maybe a couple meth heads So I wrote a whole story About these meth heads Who like supposedly broke in And they had the time of their life So they wrote about it In the guest book So Shannon Yeah Shannon played a meth head And she was great
2: I saw all of you were nice enough to invite me to the premiere screening over there at CAA. Yeah. It, it. Um. First of all, the blonde woman who runs the strip club.
1: Yeah, Carly Gibson. Tickles is her name.
2: Dude. So. She's the best. Outside of your writing, which is top of the line, what I think you really excel at is finding the gems, finding the people that the characters that people have never seen before, that people don't know. I didn't know who that woman was. No, I
1: didn't either. And she, she and look, I mean, crushed that's, it. she crushes it and she comes in and she walks in the room and she has a, you know, look, she has a presence about her. She yeah. has a very distinct look and she's uh, incredibly talented. And she comes in the room and you're like, that is not at all. As I was picturing this role.
2: What were you picturing
1: at the time? I think I was picturing like uh like a, ballsy, Latino, kind of weathered, older stripper that had kind of given up a little bit on stripping and now was going to make her money blackmailing people. Right. But Carly was a younger, completely different version of this woman. But often is the case when you're sitting in casting is you have uh, an image in your mind of what this person looks like. You Mm -hmm. just can't help yourself. You've written it. You have an image of your mind. Maybe you've even based it on an actor you know that, that, that you, you know you're not going to get. But you have an image. So people walk in the room, and it's either their role to get or their role to lose. Because they'll walk in, and they'll, you're like, oh, yeah, that, that kind of fits the image mm-hmm. in my mind of who it is. And now they perform it. And if they're great, well, then great. They, I pictured it, and they were great. But if they don't do great, it's like, all right, well, they lost it. But what's harder is when they come in, and they look nothing like you expected. And right off the bat, you're kind of sitting back going, all right, well. This isn't going to be it. And then they start talking. And you're like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Are those this almost more exciting? Way more exciting. Yeah, because the other ones, you're just like, okay, good. They look like it and yeah. they did it. They get put in the good pile. But when somebody comes in and with their performance completely changes how you even saw the character in your head, that's huge. And that's, you know, and that's why people need to, when they do audition... You got to make choices. You got to go for it. You know, yeah. you can't be like everybody else. And look, and people will be like, "Oh, what if I make a bold choice and 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 it's not what they wanted? Well, then you fucked up."
2: But <laughs> but that happens. You but know? but you know what, dude? They'll remember you. Absolutely. You want to hear? You'll enjoy the story. And then I know we got to wrap up. So I was, I had done. This was a while ago. This Machario Terry was had just left, left SNL. CBS had given her her own show. And I had gone through the casting, and I was going back to read with casting, and Sherry. And so Beth is a director. Yeah. And I and you know when you're a director or when you're in charge of casting, you know everybody runs a room differently. Some people like it super loose. Some people like you to stick to the script. And you never know, right? So you just have to make your choice. Yeah. And sometimes you hit it, sometimes you don't. So I'm talking to Beth. I'm like, how can I stick out? And she was like, and <clears throat> one of the reasons I listen to her Is one because She's far smarter than I am But also like She gets things out of her actors That I'm like How did you get that And She's like because She makes them just feel Comfortable and safe mm-hmm. That's the biggest thing She said I always like people To just be natural And she said What do you like to do And I was like Well I, I eat a lot She said well Go bring a bag of chips Into the audition And I go okay Because that kind of fits my character Yeah Then my character might eat chips Okay
1: most so, characters would eat chips. Yeah,
2: right? Yeah. It's safe. Yeah. Yeah. So I sit down. and I get the script and, and I the, get
1: chips. the chips. What'd you go with? Huh? Is it a bold choice on the chips? Just, classic you know, lays. Sour
2: cream and cheddar. Okay. Ruffle sour cream and cheddar right. because if I'm going to eat some chips. You might as well enjoy it. The, be- the best chips of all time. Yeah. Can you name a chip better than the sour cream and cheddar?
1: I would say being from the East Coast, D.C. area, the Old Bay Utz okay. chip. Would be I would take that over that, but I I I I hear you. As I long hear as you, you
2: didn't say the handicap hot fries. No, I'm not going <laughs> to criticize your choice. I'm just
1: going to say, if we are picking the last okay. chip we got to eat, I'm going with old bay Utz, But yeah,
2: okay. So I can't argue with that. Regional, right? exactly. Okay. Hometown boy. Yep. So I sit down, and Sherry's like, you know, I I saw your tape. I really like you. You're really funny, and I'm just excited to see what you're going to bring to the table. And I go, okay. And any questions? I go, no. And I go, who am I reading with? And she said, uh, you're going to be reading with me. I said, great. So we start, and I go to open the bag <laughs> of chips, and she goes, let me stop you right there. <laughs> Dude, I hadn't said anything. Yeah. She had started, she had said maybe, so whatever your name is, let's just say Robert. So Robert, and I go to open the bag, and she goes, I'm going to stop you right there. You going to eat those chips? <laughs> and I said, well, not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, yeah, I'm not uh, Apparently, I'm not gonna But it threw my entire Oh, break.
1: that's gotta throw you so bad
2: I was planning on being the chip guy
1: Yeah Chip
2: guy You had,
1: you had business uh, You had business with those chips Dude,
2: there was gonna be things where I was licking my fingers uh, I was looking for the right chip You know, sometimes you want the biggest chip 18
1: empty bags of chips in your living room as you prepared for this audition
2: Dude, I had never eaten so many fucking chips yeah. in my life I was, you know, I was gonna, and one of the things was because when I used to eat a lot of chips, one of the first things I would do was look in the bag, and I always like to pull the biggest chip out first for whatever reason. Yeah. So I spent I was was planning. I'd rehearsed it. I was gonna be. My first line was just kind of a throwaway line because I was.
1: Yeah, and you didn't have to concentrate so much on the acting because you had business to do, which would they'd give you in a scene
2: anyway. Not with chips, apparently. Sherry O'Terry hates chips. That's not. Listen, guys, if you're gonna, I'm not
1: so sure that was a cool thing for her to do. What, let me say that. I don't right know there? Sherry O'Terry, yeah. but I'm just saying, why stop you? Why stop you?
2: Because I think she
1: was l- seriously... Was she worried? Was she trying to do you a favor? You I think? think so. Okay.
2: Because I, uh, what I got from it walking in was that she really liked me and liked my read yeah. and like... And then she's run, like, don't sabotage
1: yourself with yeah, the chips, with it, buddy. I'm gonna you have, don't need it. You don't need it.
2: Because it was going to be on tape also. Oh, okay. And she was like, I don't want to send... I'm sure she was like, I don't want to send be this... crunching. Yeah. Yeah. Not great. Um... What what are we gonna tell people about your show? I know we got to wrap up. So okay. yeah,
1: Thursdays on uh, TBS, or you can watch, You can catch up on them on TBS.com. Uh, there, it's an anthology show, so it's different every week, different little movie every week. Although there is stuff that um, kind of uh, gets threaded through, as you saw, mm-hmm. you know, uh, throughout the season for the What's regular people. The lead people. dude's name again? The lead dude, Gar- Garrett Dillahunt.
2: I, I just want to tell you because I had only known him from like the assassination of Jesse James and.
1: A lot of dark stuff before he did. He played uh, the father on uh, on Ho- Raising Hope, yeah. What a versatile dude. Oh, incredible.
2: Did you know, like when you cast Hope and somebody brought him up, were you like, is he going to do comedy?
1: Nobody brought him up. He did a, he went on tape in New York. No uh, No chips and no chips chips. still him the part still got the part jesus couldn't believe it first time (laughs) and uh and and it was amazing and then i was like that dude is hilarious and then it wasn't until after i watched him and i was like he's my favorite bar none he's my favorite i want that guy to be the role then i started to be like oh let me look him up see what he's done i was like oh my god i I watched this guy on deadwood he played two different characters on deadwood um came back and just played a completely different guy did something weird with his eye, and, and 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 then I started to look like, oh my god, he's so done so much dark stuff. But I mean, hands down, easily one of the best actors I've ever worked with. Just amazing, just amazing, I, and and so lucky to for me that he would be in every episode of the Guest Book too.
2: Dude, I you know you were dumb enough, and I was lucky enough for you to cast me in both. My name is Errol and Raising Hope.
1: Yeah, and you were always very funny. I always called you Josh. I didn't want you to be confused.
2: It was very nice. <laughs> It was nice. <laughs> Beth was like, "He always calls you Josh." I'm like, "He knows." It's
1: easier for me. And me too. By the way, me too. I cast Eddie Steeples in the guest book. I call him Eddie. It's just, you know,
2: it's easier. Yeah. But but like but I got watched Garrett a couple times and was like, y- you know, he's a chameleon. Yeah. Really, when the camera was off and he was just by talking, but then he just turned into this completely. It's almost like his face morphed a little bit. Yeah. Do you know what yeah, it, like?
1: It's amazing. You, and you watch him in different things and he's just a different person. He's just, I mean, he totally becomes who he is him, on screen. in
2: that Jesse James movie where he played the, that dumb, that scene with him and Brad Pitt. Yeah. Out at his house is one of the most uncomfortable scenes. It's one dude who knows he's just about to die. Yeah. He just doesn't know when it's about to happen. And he's super, stu- a simple, simple man. Yeah and it's trying
1: not to show he's scared it's a
2: fascinating but he but but he's playing somebody who's a simple 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 guy so the way he chooses to show emotion and the little knowledge he does have i've watched that scene so many times because i'm like not too often do you watch a scene where you're like he's ripping this away from brad pitt like I'm not. I, yeah. Don't cut back to Brad Pitt. Yeah. What's this guy doing? Yeah.
1: And the thing about Garrett is he. It's it's always small things that he's finding that like you know that just enhance the scene a hundred percent. There's just tiny little things, nuanced things that like just suck you in and make you believe the moment so much more. And with comedy, just elevates it to be so much funnier with just the tiniest little things. And then you watch other actors on set with him that sometimes see him doing that and try to replicate it and it just can't it can't be replicated
2: What is that because what he's doing is just honest to that person it's just honest it's just, it's just he just has a
1: knack for it you know I mean there's obviously other people that can do that as well but but I'm just saying he I, I've
2: never seen it done done as well dude you got to work with Martha too well Martha's also amazing also a comedic so those two I remember watching the first episode and being like with those two and Shannon obviously is Shannon and super funny yeah but with well, those two, you had two, a scene
1: with Martha and Garrett. It was just like it's a home run every it. time, yeah. right? And then you can have Cloris Leachman walking through. I mean, when you have those kind of weapons, then you're just loving going and writing because you know everything is going to get delivered.
2: Do you let people like that mess around a little bit in the language?
1: Yeah, I mean, they they more often than not, there's a trust built up, and they trust the script, you know. So uh, usually. Not in the moment do they change things, but there will be times where we rehearse something, now we're setting up the lights, and Martha will come over and go, why is it like this? This feels mm-hmm. weird. And I'll read it, and I'm like, yeah, that does feel weird. Yeah, let's let's talk about it. And so I'll go off, and I'll come back, I'll go, well, does this sound better? She's like, yeah, that sounds better. Or she'll have a suggestion that sounds better. Because, you know, it's not the law that it has to be read the way it is. A lot of people have done a lot of work to get it to that point but that doesn't mean that there's some lines in between the gyms that were just spit out and yeah. typed and we didn't have to say them. And now they're going through somebody's mouth who has to say them and be true to their character. And it's like, well, this seems weird. And they pointed out and you're like, yeah, that is weird.
2: It, it, I got to tell you, man, um, it is fascinating to me how, and we'll, we'll end on this. I don't know if I've ever told you this. I've been on a bunch of sets I learned a lot from you. I took a lot from being on your set to my show, because, and obviously it didn't work as well, because that she only stayed on the air for six weeks. but uh, <laughs> I think
1: it got canceled two hours after I made an appearance. <laughs> <laughs>
2: but I learned from your set. after all the sets I'd been on, it's so much of it is trickle-down, man. I've never met anybody who's worked on any of your shows who's been like, "This is a bad time. We hate going to work. So much—it's—it's it's top down, and it—it's top down, dude. And the way you treat people—you know what tells me a lot about you—is how much money you spend on your catering. Yeah. <laughs> That's not for you.
1: No, I—I I rarely eat. In fact, I've had assistants tell other eat. assistants they're like, "You have to remind them to eat."
2: Do you never I eat? I never eat. But the catering on your sets are above and beyond. Uh, and and that money for you right now isn't life-changing money. So you you. Put it back into your casting crew, which is part of why people are so happy. You make sure the people that are working around you, you're not an asshole. You're open. You're, you're still in charge, but you're like, hey, I'm not. And so it trickles down. Like, you want other people to be successful, so the people below you want other people to be successful. And that's why that shit works. Yeah, that's nice
1: of you to say. Well, look, I mean, the, the truth of the matter is we're doing a job that is supposed to be fun. Like, we're playing make-believe. Yeah! That's what we're doing. And getting paid! People are paying us to play make-believe, and then we're going to put it on film, and we're going to send it out into the world. And people are going to watch it, and it's going to make them happy, hopefully. Like, it's a dream job. So if you're going to waste your time being miserable, and being a dick, and arguing, and yelling, like, why do it? Mm-hmm. Like, go do something else. Like, it's... it's. And And I've always thought that running a show, one of the biggest responsibilities is you're hosting a party you're hosting a party yes you want people to come to work and have a good time and there's going to be long hours and there's going to be hard days and you want people to want to work hard and get your day done in time because they like you
2: yes and and like what i learned from my show is that the happier the people are and the more respect that they that you give them the harder their work, the more they'll want. They're not going to be like, nah, fuck it, I've done enough work. I'm not gonna. They're going to be like, no, let's get this right. Because you've, you, not only have you shown your work ethic and you're willing to do it, but you have made them feel good about being at work, made them happy about the product, making them proud of their product. Because they are happy to be there.
1: Exactly, you want everybody going home to be proud of the show. And yeah. here's the other thing too. The whole reason I started telling jokes to people in elementary school, the whole reason I want to do TV shows I just want people to like me. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I want. I just want to be accepted and liked. Too. So I'm certainly gonna try to be the <laughs> nicest boss I possibly can.
2: People ask me that all the time. Why'd you get into comedy? I was like, Well, it's not because I'm secure with myself. No. That's I ridiculous. want people to like me. Yeah, no, I That's I, it. I, I, need I the want attention. people to
1: like me. That's it.
2: Greg Garcia, I like you, man. Thank you for coming on the show.
0: Cool.
1: Thank, thank you. This right. is La- a blast. Later. Later.